Blog Talk Radio. Hello and uh, good morning. It's uh, February 4th and this is uh, the Be Above Leadership um, monthly blog talk radio show. And uh, I am here with my business partner and good friend Anne Betts and I am Ursula Pottinger. And today we are going to have um, a really great conversation about feedback and the brain. Hello Anne. Hello, it's great to be here. We, I am, I'm so excited. I've been really looking forward to this conversation, Ursula, um, and for all of you out there in uh, Radio Land. Um, we at Be Above Leadership, we have been thinking about, talking about, trying to get our heads around feedback for years. Yeah, for some reason, we have. Uh, intuitively felt and certainly also personally experienced, at least this is true for me, that feedback somehow doesn't work and somehow doesn't quite achieve the results that, um, that we are hoping for. Um, and so yeah. we've been playing with this and looking at it and saying, you know, what is it about feedback that it's so hard to give as a giver and and uh, and as hard or even harder to receive as the receiver. Well, so we, um, uh, you know, this is something we've known just as leaders. There's a bigger conversation about this. Uh, um, uh, oh shoot, who's the guy that did the? Marcus Buckingham weighed in last year with a, a great article. It was either in Huffington Post or Harvard Business Review. I can't remember about sort of the problems with feedback. So mm-hmm. let's just start by looking a little bit at the neuroscientifically, what are some of the challenges with feedback? And um, as we've been talking about this, we thought of two two reasons why your brain is sort of primed against feedback. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. or primed to make to make feedback um, a really challenging thing. Mm-hmm. So kind of yes. yes, two two areas that make it harder given how we're structured. Um, the first one, I think, is the whole issue with uh, feeling that we're being judged. Yes, and. You know, I think um, again, from uh, um, both from a neuroscientific standpoint and from personal experience, um, I really think it is it is received as, as as such. It is a judgment. Yeah, and we can. I think a lot of um, you know leadership programs and people who think about feedback and managers. You know, a lot of what we're doing, or even ourselves as leaders. We want to kind of manage around getting better at not reacting and not being reactive, not holding it as judgment. But there's a really, we're fighting against some pretty old um, neural circuits probably encoded in our DNA. And it makes me think of, so here's how I hold it, (laughs) just for fun. I don't know that this is the truth, but it's what makes sense to me. I was telling Ursula I was reading this book by Elizabeth Marshall Thomas called The Old Way, and it is about living with the Kalahari Bushmen who were living in the old way. And she's got a whole chapter, fascinatingly, on lions and predators. (laughs) Um, So there's this great chapter of lions and predators, and the lions are roaring in the night and what that does. And at one point, the, this family who's living with the Bushman, who's not wanting to interfere, as good anthropologists don't want to interfere, they drive past this guy who's an older man, and he's laying out in the middle of the savanna, and there's lions around, and um, he's uh, crippled of some kind, and uh, you know has got some, some reason he can't move very well, and he's just lying there. And they know that if they leave him there, he will be eaten. Mm-hmm. So they pick him he's up. Doomed. Even just, he's doomed. Even and they pick him up, even though they're really not supposed to. And they take him back to camp because they just couldn't leave him there to die. And I think there's this primal, you know, we so want to belong and connect. And this shows up in other areas other than feedback. But one of the things that happens when we feel like we have been separate, that we're separate from the group, um, it will trigger. Uh, a fight or flight or freeze reaction in many of us. 
Um, you can certainly get past that, but you are definitely working with some really primal, old, old, old circuitry um, in the very fundamental, probably in the you know mammalian brain that says it is dangerous to be separate from the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there is something. Says, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, there is something really separating about uh, feedback, even if we try to uh, make a connection first, but then comes the, you know, then comes the knife or the the pair of scissors, and it sort of feels like that even what ha come, has come before is sort of like not relevant anymore. Yeah, and and I think we're you know we should be clear we're talking about um, negative feedback we're talking about the brain being primed for that it's it's it, we hear it often not always and again we can learn not to but it's it's a little bit hard work but we often hear it as you're not good enough you're not acceptable to me as manager parent whatever therefore there's a little bit of separation from the from the group you're not you're not good um, and that's why we react, and this is why when we're when we you know say to someone, "Can you step into my office, or can I give you some feedback on on, on that?" Um, uh, the first thing that will happen is a bit of a an adrenaline stress fight or flight response. Yes, and uh, so you know the truth is, and that uh, certainly uh, in most scenarios of life, and certainly this is true in organizations, um, there are things that go wrong, and there are people that need to learn, and there are need there are people that need to be given feedback in order yes. that things can change. You know, yeah. so uh, you know, and I know that from a leadership perspective, there are a number of uh, techniques and as well as feedback models that try and address this uh, separation and the fight, flight, and freeze response in people. And yeah, yet and somehow it's not quite—it's not quite getting there. I feel. I yeah I I think it's because it's and will so I I love what you're saying and and I want to um definitely underline that that we are not by any means saying or advocating never giving feedback never addressing things uh that would be a little bit crazy uh which we are but that not in this way so <laughs> uh, I want to definitely come back to that. I think that one of the one of the challenges, even with a good feedback model, even when you are focusing, for example, on the situation and um, impact model, we learned this as the coin model, where you give someone the context, you tell them what you observed, you let them know what their impact was, and then you say what you want next. That that is a um, you know, supposed to be a somewhat neutral thing, but if mm -hmm. I'm being told that I had a negative impact, mm -hmm. it's still going to trigger some of this stress response. And the problem with triggering the stress response is, you know, it's, you know, stress is not necessarily always bad. The problem is that uh, that too much stress. Like if you're getting really yelled at by someone in power, mm -hmm. for example, too much stress just destroys your capacity to learn. Mm -hmm. what, yes. What you will, what you will remember if someone is yelling at you, you will learn. I call it the hot stove effect. But yeah. what you will learn is this is a dangerous person. Stay away from them. That's what you'll learn. <laughs> Right. You'll learn. Not safe. Heat, heat. Uh, you know, run away. Get away. Oh, there they, don't cross there they them. come again. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. Don't do that. You might learn don't do that again. But what you'll learn is don't do that again, not because you want to be a better leader. You'll learn don't do that again so as not to elicit that response. Yeah, don't touch the, the it stove. Right, it's our natu natural tendency, and that includes, uh, you know, our brain wiring to be safe and to stay yes. safe. Exactly. And so if you really want to learn, you know, want to learn people, sound like I'm Southern, but if you really want to teach people <laughs> not to mess with you, yelling at them is highly effective because, you know, you're scary, and so they won't go there. Um, mm -hmm. Will they really learn how to create new positive habits, um, you want people to be in an open, 
um, what we would call, what they call in the brain, a toward state, going toward you, if they're going to listen to you and be open to your um, advice or uh, for us coaching, they need to be in a toward state. And if you, if if they are being yelled at or feel for any reason that they're not safe, their brains are going to be in an away state. So they will remember certain things, but what they will remember is primarily the things that are key to their survival. Yes, yes. Um, there's, and there's, uh, so I want to uh, mention this, and uh, you know, I don't know if you want to get into this, but I think it is worth mentioning, and we've uh, in previous uh, radio shows have talked about it, then there is also the um, brain's negativity bias. So really, the, the, the brain who is what we always say is, you know, Teflon for all the good things we see and hear, and Velcro for the negative things that we see and hear. So I Absolutely. would imagine that that comes, that comes into feedback as well. Even if we have heard, you know, a dozen times how good we are as managers and how good we are at that thing, then one negative comment, and I... I, I think that because of the negativity bias, we will remember this one negative thing a lot more than all the, do- oh. the dozen good things. Absolutely, absolutely, because again, it's, um, and that comes from, I love that Teflon and Velcro quote, which comes from Rick Hansen, who wrote The Buddha's Brain and has wonderful work on the brain's negativity bias, as Ursula's talking about, and how, um, how to shift it. That's, I think we did a call about that, so we won't go deep into that right now. But I think it's a really good point, and, and I think any of us who have, you know, been, you know, held up for public evaluation, know the feeling of getting 25 wonderful evaluations. Oh, you did a great job. And, you know, two that were negative. And we (laughs) process and ponder and obsess (laughs) over the negative ones for possibly days. And, you know, the positive ones just sort of go by the way. Um, Just a little bit of background on that real quickly. It goes again to that we're, we're, we have really deep neural circuits just designed to keep us safe. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's far more evo- to our evolutionary advantage to be safe. So we yes. will remember where the tigers are and um, you know, pay heightened attention to that because if you don't, if you don't know that there's a snake that lives under that rock or a tiger over that hill, you do not survive. Yes, no, absolutely. And That's uh, that is uh, you know that is that it's it's very valuable and it has been valuable and it has been keeping us safe for you know thousands of years. Now in 2014, now where we are at, there are still um, scenarios that where we need that um, that immediate immediate response. But in a work setting, that really um, that really is a, is is a huge challenge. Yeah, it is. And so um, I want to just say we are going to get to talking about kind of what we, how we feel about how to positively approach feedback. I want to, so that there's a couple of big challenges. There's more than this, but the two ones that Ursula and I thought really need to be highlighted, one that we've talked about already, it's the stress response that comes up anytime anyone feels judged. The other one, the other problem with feedback, and I think this is what Marcus Buckingham was writing about, as I remember that article, um, is the problem that feedback is often more about, tells you more about the giver than the receiver. Mm-hmm. So we would like to think and, you know, have this, I think it's a fantasy, that, you know, a good manager or a um, supervisor or developer of whatever kind is neutral. And they're yes. just, you know, have your best interests at heart, and they're just going to give you this feedback to make you better um, with no uh, agenda of their own, right? <laughs> yeah, let's try that. <laughs> right. I think it's sort of like funny, and I, I don't mean to, you know, be disrespectful to all our listeners who are managers and who are most likely in this situation, but just hearing you talk about it, um, you know, the the perspective that we have the best interest at heart of that particular per, that particular person um, is a is a very interesting perspective to begin with 
Well, and I, you know, even if it's true, and I do think for many, most of our listeners, it is true. They want to make a yes. positive contribution. They want to know, how do I help point this person in a way that they'll get more of what they want? I mean, I think it comes from a good place. The problem is, is that we are designed to really feel each other, to imagine um, how we would how we would feel in certain situations, Mm -hmm. the capacity to really actually get out of our own um, reactions and Mm -hmm. and not just think about um, what we would do in that situation, but think about really the other person, Um, take some development Mm-hmm. So I give you a, a quick, a quick, sto- quick story. Uh, this is pretty blatant. Uh, I think it, it occurs in adults in different ways. But I was with my 17-year-old in Barcelona, and we were walking a lot. And he is very, very fit. He runs cross country. He plays ultimate frisbee. He's just as fit as can be. And I'm not bad for a woman who's turning 50 next week. I do pretty well, but we're hiking along, and I start to get tired. And he's mm. like, he's looking back over his shoulder. He's come on, Mom. Come on, Mom. Let's go. And I said to him, honey, you know, I'm almost 50. You play ultimate frisbee. You run like, you know, what would you do if you were in my place? No. Mm-hmm. He looks at me, and he says, I'd walk faster. <laughs> You know, only a teenager. (laughs) Well, you know, you say only a teenager, but I want to actually use it as a metaphor because I think sometimes our feedback, you know, bless our hearts, that we're giving to other people is of the I'd walk faster if I were you. I would do it differently. If I were in your shoes, I would be more organized. I would be more on time. I would be more fill in the blanks. I can really see that. Exactly. Looking at it through our own lens of who we are, what we've developed right now, without even necessarily being aware of it. So um, they call this theory of mind in both neuroscience and cognitive science the ability to not just connect with another person like the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but what they call the platinum rule, which is do unto others as they would have you do unto them. And this is another level of sophistication that takes a lot of openness and a lot of curiosity because we're designed to be self-referential. Yes. You know, and what's coming to my mind is um, I think that um, in in coaching, I think coaches are being trained to be that. They they are being, we are, we are being trained to be less self-referential because we cannot coach people effectively if we are. Um, And to really, um, we are trained to take ourselves a little bit out of the picture and be um, more of an observer rather than being in it. Um, so this is really what's interesting, I think, about uh, about coaching and coaches. Yeah, I love that. Really well said. And I think this is, for me, it's one of the arguments for managers and supervisors, even if they don't want to be a coach, to develop some coaching skills because it really helps with Um, what we call uh, at the Coaches Training Institute, and I think other coaching schools have similar language for it, we call it Mm self-management. And it's literally managing that, the self-referential, what we're we're just, what I hold it as is not a a bad thing, but, but we also talk about it as level one listening. And I think about, um, it's how, how, it's just how we are trained to understand the world. To immediately, mm-hmm. within about 17 seconds of a conversation, whatever someone is saying, we want to know what that means to us mm-hmm. personally. So, you know, the classic conversation uh, is you, like, for example, I'm going to Sedona next week. And, and classically, what the response from people around me has tended to be, oh, you're going to Sedona. I love Sedona. You've mm-hmm. got to be sure. Last time I was there, I did the pink Jeep tour. You've got to do the pink Jeep tour. It's mm-hmm. great. 
Now, that's mm-hmm. not bad. That's mm-hmm. human, right? Mm. Yes, absolutely. And it's yes. fun. And it's useful to know to do the Pink Jeep Tour, which, by the way, Ursula's coming with me, and we're going to do the Pink Jeep Tour. But oh, good. It's this, <laughs> good, yeah, we're going to have fun. But it's this really, like, like knee-jerk reaction to interact with the world from our own understanding, again, in coaching, call it level one, that takes self-management, actually some inhibition. We use inhibition in, in the neuroscience work that Ursula and I do. We use inhibition as a positive word because yeah. there are things that we actually do need to inhibit. One of them is our own level one response to things, like what it means to me in coaching is not relevant. I need to know what it means to you. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think the, the level one, that, that part of us that listens, you know, and how it fits in with us can be very useful, but only if it's used as information that is helpful to the other person and not as a, um, as a reference point. Yeah, and I think this is the, the challenge for, for feedback is yeah. that it's, it's, um, it's very hard to, to look outside of our own frame of reference and really get into another person's frame of reference without uh, curiosity. So because of these two things in general, the reactivity that people have when you say you're going to give them feedback or they need to be you know, basically criticized, as mm-hmm. well as this problem with the frame of reference, um, we have started looking at, uh, we actually decided to throw away the word feedback. Because that's what we do at Be Above. We just throw things away. <laughs> uh, but only after contemplating this for a number of years. So, so this is yes. definitely, this was not an easy birth. Um, it, no. No, it, <laughs> it was a lengthy one. And we just, we don't want to throw away positive growth and development, but we want to throw away this idea that I know something you don't know, and let me lay it on you, and let me tell you what you need to do, no matter how it's wrapped up. But Mm -hmm. we wanted to save this idea that we learn and grow collaboratively, that we may have blind spots, and we, we've just been wrestling with how do you do this in a way that gets rid of the personal bias and gets rid of the amygdala reaction. So mm-hmm. what we came up with is rather than calling it giving feedback, we decide to call it unpacking. Yes, we are unpacking the experience, which... Um, I just love that word. It is, it's, um, you know, when you think about uh, unpacking a suitcase, um, it's, um, it can be full of surprises, and um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a delightful experience, you know, unpacking a suitcase. Well, it's, you know, I just unpacked because I was just gone for, for two weeks leading and with you in Florida and then in California, and I just unpacked. So I really, I hadn't thought about this, but, you know, unpacking a suitcase – it's, it's kind of like thinking about it as a metaphor and thinking about my experience of unpacking. So think about unpacking Ursula. And mm-hmm. what I know is I, yesterday I got home, I had this huge suitcase, and I unpacked, and you know what? There were some dirty clothes. Yes, and I just wanted to say, and similar to um, our perspective, our new perspective, and also our new tool of unpacking versus giving feedback, what really strikes me is when I unpack my suitcase, I sort. I sort yes. the dirty laundry from the one that wasn't used or maybe only once and is still in pretty good shape and that gets hung up. Yeah, so, so there are two sort? piles. Yep, we sort. You know, we sort in different ways, and I, that is how, the way I sort. Yeah, and the dirty clothes need to be um, looked at. They might, some of them might need a little bit of pre-treating. Sometimes I might decide it's worn out. I'm not going to wear it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I also tend to find, as you said, you said something really great, unpacking is a delightful experience. Well, you know, can be. Um, often when I unpack, I uh, find, like I found, I had bought Noah 
a little clay dog when I was in Berkeley. And so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, here's, look at that. I forgot I had this. This is mm-hmm. cool. And mm-hmm. I've got the little clay dog, which he really liked. So there's this, there can be this, uh, uh, there can be delight. There can be more information. Like I unpacked mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, I didn't need two black skirts. Next time I will not bring two black skirts. <laughs> what was I thinking <laughs> that I brought two black skirts? Maybe you will. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll bring them again anyway. Um, well, and uh, you're absolutely right, keeping going with this metaphor and uh, tying it to, um, you know, quote, unquote, feedback. Um, there is also this aspect of learning. You know, in your case, it's, you know, did I really need, you know, two black skirts? For me, often is, it is looking at shoes and, and realizing that I brought the shoes that I thought looked pretty but weren't as comfortable. Oh, so it's, yeah. uh, it's like it yeah. what really... For my next journey, what do I really need and what makes sense for the, the journey and the travel of that moment and what is ahead so that I don't pack for my vanity, but I, I pack, I pack <laughs> or, for what is know, really needed. <laughs> a different person might say, you know, I wish I'd had more pretty shoes. I only brought practical ones. Um, there's always an opportunity. You know, most of us don't analyze our unpacking that well. But what we decided to do, and we have done this uh, with some stuff that's happened with the above, you know, because we go through stuff um, ourselves, is look at uh, what there is in in the experience that is what we would call below the line. And if you're familiar with the above, those are the bottom three levels of effectiveness, hopelessness, fear, and frustration. So what are the dirty clothes, you know, that we need to look at? And so what is in what is in the experience that that falls into, you know, frustration and hopelessness and fear and and people can use any words that um, that feels right to them. And I really like that because there is no story. It really is, well, what's here? What's in the sco- suitcase and what is it called? Just give me, you know, give me one word. And I think we'll um, maybe figure out something we can show you this on. So think about that, Ursula, rather than just talking about it. Um, because then the second process is what's there, what, are the, what, are the, what were the delights? So in any situation, there's going to be things that were also above the line. In the most negative situation, there will be things that are above the line. Um, and in the most positive situation, there will be things that are below the line. And this gives us a chance without blame to look at both of them. And then well, what and the we other, do, uh, can, I, can I keep going? Yeah, yeah, no, you're finished. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, yeah, I just want to finish sort of how, how we do this, and then I'd love to give them an example. So real quick, just the step-by-step is the first thing is we look at what's below the line. As Ursula said, people can use their own words. Then we look at what's above the line. Then we give everyone a chance to take responsibility. What did they bring that was below the line that they want to own? What did they bring that was above the line? So what did they bring that was contributing to maybe less effective results? What did Mm -hmm. they bring that was contributing to be more effective, to more effective results? Um, And then what do we want to focus on, take on going forward? So it's kind of just a five, very simple five-step process that gives people the structure and the space to take responsibility for their own growth without blame, but also gives a place to get everything out on the table. So sorry, Ursula, I just wanted to lay that out in a linear way for those in the audience like me who are more linear. Yeah, no, great. No, no, that, that was uh, beautifully done. The only thing that I wanted to say is, is as we put the words down um, for, you know, the, whatever is, you know, be below the line in the, in the below the line part or above the line, we actually get to say how, what, how we feel. So I really love this, this self-referential part of us actually gets to have a voice and we don't need yes. to feel bad about it. Yes. You know, we so, get to say, well, I felt frustration or I felt this, I felt anxiety, I felt worry. 
Exactly. Without and in our tool, we don't attach names to it because we also believe that things get co-created and that, that different, um, you know, the certain combinations of people in a room for whatever factors will create certain energies together. And this is a place to just lay it all out. And I, if, even if I didn't feel frustrated myself, I can say in the unpacking, in this suitcase of the experience, there was, I noticed frustration. Mm-hmm. Then later, if I want to be responsible by saying, you know what, I brought frustration and I need to work on it, I can, but no one's going to make me. Yes. And not only is, is, am I not going to make you, but I'm not going to uh, assume or tell you that this is how you should feel and you should notice that. Exactly. So, Ursula, do we have, you know, maybe take another 10 minutes here. Do we have an example of something that we, we didn't prep this, so full transparency. Do we have an example of something that we can unpack? Well, uh, he, go ahead. Yeah, the the question is, uh, do we want to unpack, we could unpack a past experience uh, or we could uh, unpack something that is still to come. You know, I was just thinking uh, we haven't done this before. Let's unpack going to Sedona. I was just, this is why I asked. Because we you were know, thinking that is the exactly, same thing. That is, was exactly what I was thinking. So we're going to unpack something that um, is yet to come, but the planning is happening. But there's also a, you know, there's always things that are, there's always a suitcase. So yes. there's things in that w- how we would say it. There's things in the in the energy field. You could just hold it from a brain perspective. There's things in our consciousness that are above and below. And this can what's occurring to me in this very moment, which apparently occurred to you first, is this can also be a planning tool. Yes, and what I really like about that, it it, it I love the proactivity of it all. It is. We get to un, we get to actually unpack um, the suitcase. We, we we are looking at what's what's sort of like. <laughs> in this case, it's we're looking what's already laid out on the bed and on the floor. That which will go into the suitcase, and we get to decide what we're actually wanting to bring along, um, and and potentially only really bring the the best pieces that we want to carry with us. That are appropriate for the situation. So you yep. will, all of you out there, um, you'll have to imagine doing this as a feedback tool, and maybe we'll do that on another call. We're, we're going to do it about Sedona because all, we've, given it, we've, we've been through all the feedback that we don't have anything fresh. But this one's fresh, so let's do it. Okay, so, so let's first at uh, step number one, which is uh, unpacking what might be below the line in the field of hopelessness, hopelessness, fear, and frustration. Yeah, so as we think about going to Sedona and without any labels of anyone, there's present for me um, a bit of anxiety around, mm. just around taking time off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I, what, what I'm aware of is uh, there is some frustration um, and a sort of a, a yet unnamed pressure that I'm feeling. Mm. Which, again, just to be transparent, we're just talking about what's there between us, what we're noticing without labeling. It could be from me. It could be Ursula to herself. It doesn't matter. We're just kind of getting it out on the table. Um, in, below the line... I have some disappointment, uh, mm. and I have some, again, I have something, there is a little anxiety around the whole mm-hmm. trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would say that I have a little bit of, um, yeah, I'm noticing a little resistance. Mm. Um yeah, anxiety for me is there as well. Something that's around um, limits. Huh. Interesting. I know. That, yeah, that I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm looking at, <laughs> I have the advantage. I'm looking at one of our tools, the circle with the words in it. So. <laughs> okay, great. That helps when you have, all, when you have the words. Yeah. Um, so 
that feel pretty good for below the line? Yes, that's good. Yes, let's go above the line okay. and have a look there. Yeah, there's, there's. I'm aware that there's a lot more above the line for me. Um, I have, I have relaxation. <laughs> I have possibility. Uh, let's see, hope, joy, Con- connection, warmth, um, delight. Mm. Reflection. Adventure. Yeah. Uh, satisfaction. Fulfillment. Peace. Peace. Mm. Peace. 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 Peace with a capital P. Peace, absolutely. I have, there's a little magic for mm. me. Or creativity like comes up. Creativity and magic. Yeah, creativity. Yeah. Ooh. So, if we were then to look at the below the line words, what do you? Yeah. If we were standing in front of a big piece of flip chart paper with a pen, mm-hmm. and you have blue and I have green. What what one word do you want to be responsible for that you're bringing in that you really can see? I am bringing that into the space. Um. Well, for me, there uh, limits um, is what mm. I'm bringing. Um, bring that into the space for sure. And this, uh, yet, as I said, this yet unnamed feeling of pressure. Hmm. Great. Limits and pressure. Mm. I am definitely bringing in, and it's interesting, it's kind of related to that. I, I am bringing in, yeah, scarcity. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing in scarcity, which is around the um, the anxiety part. Mm-hmm. So that that's the one that I would I don't know that I had it there, but I would circle scarcity thinking. That's my big mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. How about above the line? What do you want? To, what's the one word you really want to grab that you're that you are that you notice you're bringing? Um, delight. Mm. I'm absolutely delighted to be able to um, go on an adventure with you and uh, spend some quality time with you that is not uh, necessarily focused on work, but just on Mm. being together. Mm. Delight. Great. And I am bringing adventure. That's the one I. That's the one that really jumps out for me that I want to circle. <laughs> adventure and and there's a. It's adventure slash magic. Like I am bringing this expectation that, mm. uh, like I don't even know what's going to happen, but it's going to be fun and it's going to be silly, and um, and impractical. <laughs> Good, I love that. I that's bring what I want to really want to bring. I bring my so, impractical and practical clothing. Yes, you can bring your impractical clothing. It is it is welcome. So <laughs> there we have we what we know we want to pack in the suitcase. And if we were doing this as feedback, what we would have done is just said, what did what did you bring below the line to contribute, and what did you bring above the line? And then next time, what is it that we want to focus on to bring? And what of this is it that we want to leave behind? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to I want to leave the the, the pressure behind uh, that 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 feeling. Um, I I want I don't want to bring that in the suitcase. Mm. Yeah, and I really don't want to bring the scarcity behind because I can feel how the scarcity will really get in the way of the magic and adventure. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to be intentional about just, it keeps wanting to crawl back in the suitcase. <laughs> like it's got like a dog that wants to, yeah, like the, the kitty cat or the dog that really want to come along. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to really forcibly set, it, set the scarcity thinking aside. Um, this is, for those of you, the little context, this is my 50th birthday present. And I'm really... Uh, even in this conversation, feeling more committed to the adventure and magic of really celebrating my 50th birthday mm-hmm. in a which isn't necessarily about lots of champagne and and caviar, but is about um, the 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 
powerful memory that I want to create with my best friend. So I'm setting aside the scarcity, and I'm going to pack lots and lots of magic and adventure. Great. And for me, what, what I will commit to is um, I will get um, the, the things that cause me pressure right now. I will, I will spend this weekend um, clearing up and cleaning out um, some big items on my to-do list so that when I get on the plane uh, on Monday, I know that those things are either taken care of or they are assigned uh, a date or something. So I don't need to think about them. I don't need to worry about them because that, that gets in the way of delight. And, and yeah. I want to I wanna bring that. I want to bring the lightness. Beautiful. Beautiful. Great! Well, we we got to we got to play with our with our Sedona trip on this with this wonderful tool. Well, isn't that that that's a bonus? Yeah, really fun. And and obviously, you know, you could be out there listening and saying, well, that's easy. That was this nice thing that they're doing. What about when it's difficult feedback? Um, and what we'll say is that we have done this tool on difficult feedback. The last time we did it, we did it with a group of people, and we actually debriefed our training, yes. and um, which had been, which was a uh, fabulous training overall. But there had been some bumpy spots to it. And it was really interesting as a leader to stand there and listen to people write things down below the line that were, um, let's see, ego, dominance. <laughs> Those were some of the words I remember. Um, <laughs> yes. Frustration. Uh, frustration. Obsession. <laughs> obsession. Um, and, and not know necessarily that anyone was pointing a finger, but as a leader saying, wow, that's interesting. That was in the space mm-hmm. along with learning and connection and these amazing, powerful things, and be able to look at that and say, um, what I remember from doing that with our, with our leadership group is, is stepping up very powerfully and saying, you know, one of the things that I brought this week was impatience. And mm-hmm. that, I, I don't know exactly how that contributed to everything, but I know it contributed to whatever below the line there mm-hmm. was. And it's a heads up for me as a leader that that's a place that I'm committed to looking and I'm ready to look and I'm going to be very intentional about heightening my awareness around impatience because it, it contributes, to, uh, feel, uh, contributes to an overall uh, impact that I don't want to have. Do you remember and what I yours think, was that you committed to? Um, uh, I cannot remember. It had something to do with doubt, or yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I, was. I, I was doubt, right? I think yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was something like that. It was. It was. It was, it was something around that. And what I uh, really noticed is that when um, anyone, be it the leader or another person, when they step up to the plate and openly and honestly and authentically own one piece that it opens the doors to all of them all of us to own also one piece absolutely it was just fascinating i love that you say that it really creates that flow and i remember you know people in this leadership program were, were we didn't have to we didn't have to point any fingers and it wouldn't be our way anyway but um, sometimes they, you know, things happen in groups, and it's easy to point a finger at the leader and say, well, they just, you know, they did this or they didn't. But this gave the group the opportunity to say, you know what, there was resistance in the space, and I brought it. Yes. I remember someone owned up to that and said, you know right. what, I, I don't want to bring I, that. I don't want to be that person. I want to look at that. And I think it was it was I, it felt liberating. It yeah. Felt, it, it, there was something really freeing, I think, for everybody to say, "Yep, I brought that, and I've brought that before. I know this place, mm-hmm. and and, I, and and this 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 unpacking tool has yet again given me a greater awareness that I go there." And this is what I want to now focus on. I want to learn this, and I want to focus on on what I'm learning and what I'm wanting to do differently next. I mean, it was very, very powerful. I loved it. Yeah. 
Well said. I, I really like that. And I want to say something about um, what the bl- sort of blind spots. So the other thing that the unpacking tool does when you can just, when anybody can say, okay, well, there was, you know, dominance or there was resistance without pointing a finger, it gives it, it makes, whenever anybody says anything, because we are self-referential, what happens mm-hmm. in the brain is you immediately have to look and say, was that me? Did I do that? Mm-hmm. Was I resistant? <laughs> and you kind of have to look. And even if people don't step up and say, yep, I'm going to own that, it may plant a seed. Yes. Now, there are people out there where this tool won't work because yeah. they are too uh they they are too at this point in their lives or for whatever reason um living too solidly below the line um mm-hmm. what we'll tell you is if you have people who cannot own anything who can't own any of their contribution you've got a bigger problem yeah yeah and you know i mean i i have not come across that yet um i know when the uh, the stage is set in a certain, you know, certain energy, a certain um, environment is created. I mean, it is my experience that most people can own something. Yeah, I think you know, we haven't, I can think of in all of our time together as leaders, Ursula, I can think of one group where the leader, yep. the, the actually the leader would, uh, this was the problem, she couldn't see that she was contributing yep. at all, and I don't know that this would have worked. But that's leading with thousands of people. So what we would say is um, give it a try uh, mm-hmm. and see what you think. We'll... Um, we don't have it out there now, but I will, I will post something, and you can look for it uh, by the end of the week on the Be Above site, which is a bit about how to do this. So we'll, we'll, write, we'll put it out there, and you can come back, um, and it will be out there by you know, February 8th or so. And if yeah. you're listening to this later, you can just go to BeAboveLeadership.com. Yeah, do you want to post something on the Be Above uh, Leadership Facebook uh, page as well? Uh, yeah, I'll then, put, I'll uh, put people it. People can have a look on Facebook as well. You can have a look at Facebook. I'll link it. I'll link it there. Um, so we have, for those of you who are coaches, we have a fabulous training series starting in Toronto, the end of this month. Our advanced coaching series. What? we have found the impact that this has on people is profound. What we're finding is like the initial coaching programs for most of us, uh, this hits people at another level of transformation. And, you know, I was thinking as a leader and just as a human being, I was reflecting recently how how I now think about things in terms of the brain. And... Mm -hmm. It gives me, it's like I got the operating manual to my own being. Yeah. That's, that's as well as other people. I love that. It's basically the instruction booklet that you need in order to make something work. And you know what it's like when you lose the book. I mean, I find it, you know, just thinking about technology, you know, if I lose the instruction manual, well, I have to try out various things that usually fail. But when I have the instruction booklet, I can go to page three and find the information. And this is the same with neuroscience for me. Absolutely. And being able to be with someone and at least have an idea of what the chemical balance in their brain might be that is causing Mm -hmm. them to react that way and therefore be more effective, not manipulative, but be more effective in my interaction with them. And just little things like, you know, I now know deeply the five keys to neuroplasticity, the five things that help us make lasting change. And instead of just hoping that I'm going to remember or learn things or hoping I'll be able to change a habit, I've got these five keys that I know and teach and can use with my clients that help them break through where they get stuck. So yeah. I just, you know, for me, it's, it's such a thinking like what do I want to tell people about signing up for our work other than that it's a lot of fun it's that I cannot imagine my life without it and our students consistently say the same thing so come and join us 
Yes, and uh, if you want uh, information on other location and dates, um, we have a wonderful website, www.beaboveleadership.com, um, and you will find the information on our neuroscience, uh, consciousness, and transformational coaching uh, offerings on there, as well as a, a program that uh, we are starting in California in April. Um, and it is uh, particularly geared towards uh, team development and organizational transformation. So for coaches, HR professionals, and consultants that also would like to have new tools um, uh, working with teams and groups. Great. Yeah, it's a fabulous program. It's a weekend program. Um, first, part, first weekend of April, uh, it is for anyone who's working with, either working in organizations or working with organizations. It's really the neuroscience of um, the the leader's brain and the organizational brain and uh, um, looking at this from a slightly different picture. So if you've already been in our neuroscience, our advanced coaching series, but you're doing work with organizations, this is new stuff. It is powerful and fascinating and builds on you know what we teach in the other program but if you're not a coach this is also a great program for you you don't have to be a coach to do that one so um, and yeah. uh, in that program in that program um, we will also um, do the unpacking process that's part we of it. do we teach the, un- <laughs> we teach the feedback <laughs> process so come to that yes all right well Ursula thank you for a great conversation today really enjoyed talking about feedback and I feel like I feel like we are are um, closer and closer to having to, to doing this in a way that is brain friendly, and I'd love to see more people do this in the world. Yes, I do too, and uh, thank you. Um, I know you just uh, have come back from travel, so really appreciate you being with me, and um, I will see you next week in Sedona. Thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate uh, you being with us, and um, we will see you next month. Bye. Bye-bye.